You're listening to Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, and welcome to Compassion Radio 360, the day of the week that we look for a story that we want to share with you from the news, something that makes us feel happy, hopefully, and hopeful, but also something that might cause us to think about what our faith really looks like and how we can incorporate a daily life of faith into our lives, pouring it out onto the lives of others. So welcome. Thanks for leading us into the program, honey. We are looking for stories that have Jesus written all over them. Sometimes we end up in places and corners of the internet or out there in the real world that we find some unbelievably resonant truths that really bring us back to the gospel. Those Mm -hmm. red letters we keep talking about. And today's story is something that's been an ongoing story for hundreds of years. It's not a new one, but it's something that we often have to rediscover, I think, get back to the heart of Jesus. And we'll explain that as we go along. This story is about a place in India, a beautiful country that you and I visited, honey, years ago. I think both of us kind of just fell in love with the people there and the culture and just how beautiful the place is and the people are. But this is a story that takes a deep dive into what I believe is the heart of God and what God really intends for us to do and how he intends for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And since we've seen that the heart of God is pretty much everywhere, all the time, all at once, (laughs) God is out there just waiting for us to discover him. And it's not always in the places you expect him to show up, that he shows up. Mm. Well, some might argue that this story is not really about a God thing. How could it not be? Well, I would agree with you, honey, but... Because it's a different faith tradition than our own, some might argue that, well, that's not really a Christian thing. Well, it's not in that sense, but basic truths here, right? All truth comes from God. Mm -hmm. All truth is God's truth. This is not a way of saying that all religions are equivalent. I don't believe that at all, because I do believe it comes down to how we acknowledge and recognize and treat Jesus, where he shows up in his person, his name is invoked. It ought to be invoked in the name of holiness and in the Father himself. Where it's profaned, I don't believe that's of God at all, of course. But what these people are doing are exactly the opposite of profaning the name of Jesus. They're living out the actual mandate that Jesus himself taught. So I don't have any condemnation for them for pursuing Mm -hmm. obedience to the words of Jesus. What I don't know is how they arrived at all of this. My guess is that the gospel was spoken to people early on in this religion. They took it to heart. And so in that regard, when they incorporated the words of Jesus, the intent of God's love for mankind, and put it into practice, I wonder how much of this God notices day to day saying, you know, this is me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. All I know is that they were obedient to the words of Jesus. And that makes them in some ways an ally of every Christian who's ever lived. If they're living out what Jesus says to do, you have an ally. And that's an important thing to remember where we travel. Because we go to places where we find people of peace, as they say, that love people. And they live out the good news in so many different ways. You know the Holy Spirit is at work in them. But they may not have come from any faith tradition you've ever heard of. But somehow God has appointed them for that time. And we got to meet them. Right. And they've been more than useful. They've been friends to us as we traveled. And so we learn not to compare theologies. We learn how to pay attention to how God's moving in the hearts of men and women around this world to serve, to be his representatives in ways that they may not even know. Exactly. So we're going to talk about good works today. Mm. Now, I'm not going to get into any arguments about whether or not good works equals salvation or is the only thing that proves that we have salvation. Many people have gone that road. I'm not worried about that at all because I think God's work is a whole lot bigger than we think 
It might be about how we please him or how he works through us. But we're going to take it to a city where people that love good works are actually doing the good work. And that's a city called Amritsar in northern India. Well, I'm glad you said what you did about the works of God and how we can see it manifested around the world, whether or not we believe it is our same faith tradition. We talk a lot on Compassion Radio about loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And this story is a gorgeous example of that, in my opinion. Now, the story is about a place in northern India, like you said, Amritsar, that has a gorgeous golden temple that is a huge tourist attraction and in that area. If you just saw that temple itself, you might say, oh, that's pretty pretentious. It's covered in gold. Right. But there's something special about that temple and that the reason the gold is covering it is to signify that what is true gold is going on inside that building. Yes. And that true goal is to take care of your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Now, this temple was established in the 16th century. So that tells you how old this place is. Which in Indian terms is not that long. Right. But for us, it seems ancient. It was established by a Sikh guru, and it's located in the region of Punjab, where Sikhism originated. Mm-hmm. So this temple was built in honor of this guru, or built by this guru to honor the he Sikh. He was a patron. And it's known for its tradition of Siva, which is voluntary volunteer service. And it means basically that it's the highest service according to the religion of Sikhism. And it's a service of mankind. It's where you do works of righteousness, works of good, works of help for your neighbors, for others. Yeah. When they say righteousness, they're talking about the actual heart of it, not the preaching or the proclamation of things, but the actual service of others. So much so that they wouldn't even realize that it was coming to them or that the problem was solved for them, that the Sikhs themselves are asking God, how do I serve my neighbor? What do they need Mm -hmm. right now? And how do I do it for them before they even realize that it's been given to them? Yeah. And they believe that you can't even perform acts of Siva unless the Lord God himself calls you to do it. Yeah. In that regard, they've got a lot in common with Christians from the early centuries. Yeah. In 2021, when the pandemic was just at full bore going on, and people in this area, this region, were starving, literally had no food, couldn't find anything and go out to find their own food. It couldn't work, really. So the volunteers that do the upkeep for this temple decided to feed the community. They didn't know what they were getting into, basically, when they started this. They were thinking, oh, we'll have a few hundred maybe, and... You know, maybe a day, we'll see what happens. We'll, well do this for a while. Early on, they were doing this because Sikh temples had become political seats where people's protest against the occupation of the British were going on. Mm-hmm. They had peaceful protests. They were doing civil disobedience long before many of the modern figures we think of that actually made it into a national movement for India or in America. Mm-hmm. But they were doing this at a time when the only language that most empire understood was violence. And the Sikhs chose not to do that. So they would assemble at these places and protest back in the 16th century. Mm -hmm. And that meant they had a lot of people coming through, a lot of pilgrims. Mm-hmm. on their way for religious purposes or political purposes, were stuck and they couldn't get to a restaurant. They didn't have McDonald's around the corner. What they had was hospitality, and they put that to use. And so many people were volunteering in the temples that a majority of their time was spent with the people that were doing the serving. So they didn't have a whole lot of extra time at home, so they decided, let's bring the kitchen to the temple. In fact, the entire temple turned into 
a community kitchen. Right. They began to volunteer during the pandemic. They were carrying medical supplies to places that couldn't be reached by others. And so they threw themselves into this concept of SIVA and to volunteer to serve their community. And it just grew and grew and grew. They began to feed the community. Turns out they started feeding about 100,000 people per day. Yeah, and And still still do. They continue to do it. Now, again, this whole ramp up of other kinds of SIVA, of actually getting involved with medical transport and oxygen deliveries and things. It was real important for India at the time because the organized crime market was stealing mm-hmm. oxygen supplies and selling them at exorbitant prices to anybody who could afford to get the oxygen when people were dying of COVID. Mm-hmm. So the SIVA from the Sikh believers stood in the face of that kind of corruption and actually, on behalf of Muslims and Christians and Hindus, stepped in to guarantee the safe transport of medical supplies to where they were needed. They became almost like a private protection force, like Mm -hmm. a Pinkerton's. Right. But they did it because of this SIVA, this idea of selfless service. And an interesting quote comes from one of the ladies describing what it means for them to serve this way. Mm -hmm. One girl talks about, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We kind of know where that one comes from, because if you just want to flip your Bible over to a specific scripture, you're looking at Matthew 6, 3-4, where Jesus gives that very same command, to let one hand be unaware what the other hand is doing. It's not a literal thing, because you're, obviously your hands don't have minds of their own to not think about something. But the idea was, of course, that Jesus is saying, do good, but don't obsess about it. Don't be so concerned about how you are doing. Just do the thing. Mm-hmm. So much so that it's so natural for you to do the right thing and to serve others that you don't even remember you did it. Mm-hmm. That it's just like instinctive. And so if your left hand is giving out food to the poor, let your right hand be busy with something else. But don't be so focused on how you are doing. Focus on the other. Mm-hmm. And Jesus made that very clear at the beginning. I think that teaching was literally brought forward centuries and given to the Sikhs. And they said, yes, We're going to take it, it and run with it. Yeah. Well, I love that they decided to do this for their community and this local community. But it didn't stop there. Mm. It spread throughout the world. During the pandemic, there were Sikh communities all over the world in COVID lockdown that were risking their own lives and safety to go and deliver supplies to people in need. And food. And food Mm. food and medical supplies in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. in, in England, even around the United States, various U.S. cities where Sikh communities are thriving. These communities began to volunteer in their communities and take these supplies that were needed for people that were shut down, were locked down, and unable to get food and supplies on their own. So this is a beautiful example of being the hands and feet of God and of us as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, we can look at this and say, wow, we've got to step up our game in some ways. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that believers are, are not doing these things, that the Christian community did not step up. But I'm just saying, this is a great partnership that we can be involved in, that we can look at our neighbor and say, okay, we don't share the same faith tradition. We maybe don't have the same belief background, but we can still partner together as brothers and sisters in humanity. Mm-hmm. And do a good work to help our neighbor, to love our neighbor, and to love our community. I remember back in 1985 when we were on the road doing some work with the Continental Singers. And that year, there was a big, big famine in eastern Africa. Mm -hmm. And we were involved that whole summer with helping to raise money for World Vision and their relief efforts in the eastern part of that continent. And I remember being on a radio interview 
during that tour where I was kind of being chided for not stepping up sooner. Mm -hmm. And they were wanting to know why the Christian church was not involved with raising money or actually sending supplies right away. And they brought up the example of the We Are the World song that was written by Michael Jackson and a few other artists. And they brought together all of the artists in Hollywood and New York and actually did a recording. And people know that song. It's still being played on the radio after all these years. And my response was simply more power to him. They're showing the way. So the answer for Christians is not to diss that or say it's not worth going into because we don't want to associate with those people. It's to take the example and say they got it right. They could teach us a few things. So we're stepping into as quickly as we can our efforts to work within the evangelical community to do the same thing above and beyond and keep going with this and not give up on good works, even if it becomes less fad later. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't so popular anymore, we keep at it. And we did. We stayed with that as an organization, and you and I personally be involved with different kinds of efforts and relief projects over the years to come because it got into our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we knew that being part of that was something that was going to be important for our life, for our faith, and for our relationship with God was going to essentially be tied to things like this the rest of our lives. Friends, before we jump back, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small, and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. Our project is to provide more Bibles through our partner, Bibles for the World. Please give generously today so that we can send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers, along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those growing in their faith. Many of those Bibles are needed right now in Vietnam as the door stands wide open to receive these gifts and serve the church there. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. We knew that being part of that was something that was going to be important for our life, for our faith, and for our relationship with God was going to essentially be tied to things like this the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I still am committed to those kind of things. So is Compassion Radio. Exactly. But if we get an example from the world, so to speak, that does it better than we do, the answer is not to disregard it or to slam it. The answer is to say, they were right. I was wrong by not starting soon enough. I need to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And that kind of humility coming from us when we look at the world doing a better job than we're doing is to humble ourselves before God and say, what did I miss here? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it about your heart, God, that I did not step up to or recognize soon enough that the world got it, but I didn't? That reset button could be a huge game changer, I think, for a lot of individuals and a lot of churches within Christendom to say, not only can we do better, but we have been blind to something up to this point. What is it we need to learn and do now? Mm-hmm. And let God speak to us in that. Mm-hmm. I think he's more and more generous about these things to give us insight and wisdom. And he's not a condemner. He doesn't slam us. You were stupid. You didn't do the right thing. He just says, okay, now you're my child. I've given you the wealth of heaven. What are we going to do with it? Right. Let's invest it. Right. 
Right. Well, the idea of the soup kitchen has been around for mm-hmm. a long time. And we've even seen here in the United States was prevalent back in the Depression era mm-hmm. and the big, the Dust Bowl in the Midwest. Soup kitchens opened up all over and in big cities and small towns because people need to eat, obviously. Right. But I think the idea of making the decision to feed your community or to be available to feed your community if it's needed regardless of whether or not you think they need it, is such a beautiful thing. Because so often we look and say, okay, this person doesn't deserve this Mm. because they maybe have money enough to buy their food. Or this person doesn't deserve it because they don't have a job and they should be working for it. Or they go to some other house of worship where you've heard that their priests or their pastors or their imams have been proclaiming things about Christians that aren't true. And therefore, you are resistant to do anything nice to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whatever the reasons are that would hold you back from giving selfless service to any person that God has created is a wall for us. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is always saying, go the extra mile. (laughs) Don't worry about qualifying their faith or their rightness to receive my grace. Mm -hmm. Because God has never said, do a litmus test here. Make sure the person's worthy of my grace. He's never said that. I think we can be 100% confident that every person we encounter is made in the image of God. Yes. God doesn't say, if your faith tradition is not the same as someone else's, then you'd leave them alone. God just says, love your neighbor. Yeah. So... We have to figure out who the neighbor is. And there's plenty of examples that Jesus has of telling people, okay, who's your neighbor? I'll tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that story, every single time that Jesus uses an example of what a neighbor is, it's always somebody you did not expect. It's somebody that you originally think is not like you. Always, every time. Mm-hmm. If you really want to know your neighborhood, then you get to learn who your neighbors are and you spend time with them. And suddenly you have a community. Mm-hmm. And it's a community that always seems to stretch and strain the lines of limits mm-hmm. of what we consider familiar or comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. And yet when it gets transformed or when that wall is broken through, something opens up a possibility of community that is far beyond what we ever hoped for. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can travel to all kinds of countries in the world and sit down with people that I've never even understood their language or don't understand their art or their culture. Their culture. Yeah. Anything like that, I would sit down and say, I don't know what I'm doing here, but God does. And within the next few minutes, I'm going to discover what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so great for us to be able to have that opportunity, often as ambassadors and representatives of Compassion Radio, to go to places where God's at work. Right. And bringing back the story and finding out ways we can partner with them. That's yeah. been our core value for a long time. If Jesus is saying these things and a group of people in northern India have brought them into their hearts and made it part of their core ethic, we're actually going to do these things and see what happens. One of the most important things about their giving and their serving that I've noticed is that they don't take counts. They don't go through and say, how many people did we serve today? Mm -hmm. They ignore that. They say, left hand, right hand, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Just serve. And they keep serving until the last person has been fed. Mm -hmm. And they trust that God is going to provide for them enough to feed everybody. That's kind of resonant too, isn't it? It is. Loaves and fishes. When Jesus serves us, and we have the examples of him serving large crowds of people. When did Jesus stop serving? When everyone was filled. Mm-hmm. And there was leftovers. Everyone had a snack bag to go with them afterwards. He didn't stop serving until everyone was filled. Yeah, That's what his spirit does even now. He inspires us to go out and serve others until the job is done and you move on to the next job. And he always promises enough to do the job. 
And you and I have seen that too, where suddenly there are more blankets in the truck than we expected. There's more water to deliver than we thought we had. Those things have been literally in our lives, in our experience, multiplied in ways we cannot explain. We've seen it happen. But it's because the expectation is I will continue to do the thing that God has called me to do and not give up because it's not my resources at hand here or at question. It is God's deep pockets that go into serving others. And he's asking me to wear my pockets the same way he does. I love that idea, honey. I love how you put that. It's it's not our pockets mm-hmm. that we're emptying out. It's God's pockets. And God's pockets are endlessly filled. Yeah. And we can count on that. We can count on God's provision. It doesn't mean that we're always going to have everything we want. Mm. True. But scripture tells us in the book of Psalms that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God has always got a provision for his people. He provided manna in the desert. He provided quail. He provided water from a rock. He calls us to live that way. He calls us to live our lives out in faith that he's going to provide for us so then that we can love our neighbors as he's calling us to do. And this is a beautiful example of that. Yeah. We are called to live in a way that takes advantage of God's resources. And it's not always just about stuff or food, is it? No. Sometimes it is about literally being God's ear Mm -hmm. to somebody who needs to speak or being with somebody who's going through suffering or loss. There are all kinds of ways where the richness of God is displayed in ways that are not just about things that we would have to spend money on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes he does ask us to take a risk and say, you don't know how you're going to provide for this or afford this, but I do. I'm going to ask you to step into this. Mm -hmm. But everybody, even within their own families at home, if you feel estranged from somebody in your family and you're asking God, I don't know how to fix this. Everybody in a situation like that can still ask God, what do you want me to know about the situation my family is in or this problem I'm having with this sibling or this other member of my family? What do I do now? Is there something I can do to be peace here? And if so, Lord, show me what it is, and I will take the risk and do it. Now, sometimes we don't always get the reward we expect to get from obeying God, but there's always something about the being right with God that makes a world of difference for us so that we've done the right thing and we've served others and we've given freely, even if we're attacked for it, even by somebody we think should give us a little bit of respect or courtesy. Even then, we know that God's heart's pleased because we followed him right into the thick of it. I don't think we always get the reward we always expect, but that really doesn't matter. We should be serving because God's heart is there to serve. Well, in John 15, it talks about being connected to the vine. You know, he is the vine, we are the branches, and being that that interconnectedness that joins us to the heart of God. And if we are living our lives in communion with God, he will bring us into community Mm -hmm. with other like-minded people. And that, to me, is a great reward. That is a great bonus that we get from living in communion with God and the Spirit and Him joining our hearts to others around us that we just didn't expect to be joined to. I was reading in this article that there are Sikhs and Hindus in this area, and they are traditionally not friendly to one another. And there's Muslims just up the road from them, too. But this community has lived closely together, lovingly and generously, extending hospitality to each other for centuries, really, Mm -hmm. despite their opposing political beliefs. 
And I think, okay, that's a great example for us here in the United States Indeed. right now. Yes. Because so often we get polarized because, yes, yeah, your political beliefs are not like mine or your ideals or we, we just don't agree. That doesn't matter. We serve a risen Christ. We serve a God who is so much bigger than yeah. any political ideal we could even dream up. We just need to listen to the heart of God. Yeah. And take the risk of actually obeying him because mm. he will provide. I mean, I think the scriptures are full of that kind yeah, of promise. Yeah. That's where we have to wrap it up today on this particular Compassion Radio 360. The article that inspired this particular discussion is on our website. You'll have a link there on our podcast page for this program. So just look that up anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We love you, friends. We look forward to sharing more with you on next Monday's Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We'll see you then. There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Our project is to provide more Bibles through our partner, Bibles for the World. Please give generously today so that we can send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers, along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those growing in their faith. Many of those Bibles are needed right now in Vietnam as the door stands wide open to receive these gifts and serve the church there. Call 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com.